Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm William Friedman, and today we're studying Ketubot 39. Today's Daf is the home of the Talmud's central discussion about rape. To avoid presenting this conversation, I think, would just be cowardly. But at the same time, both the topic and the nature of the rabbinic discussion are very difficult to address. So I'll try to give a clear explanation of the sugya and hopefully allow space for you listeners to evaluate the claims and the argumentation. The Mishnah that begins on this daf implicitly equates seduction and rape with assault and battery. In the eighth chapter of Bavakama, which is called Perika Chovel, after the first word of the Mishnah, an assailant is required to pay five things. Nezek, which is restitution for the long-term irreparable damage caused. Tsar, a, pay- a payment for the physical pain suffered. Ripui, which is medical costs. Shevet, repayment for lost wages due to convalescence. And Boshet, payment for embarrassment, which is both psychological and social. Our Mishnah, demands that the seducer pay embarrassment, pgam, and knas. While the first category is clearly the same in both cases, boshet, embarrassment, it's not 100% clear how to line up pgam and knas, although we can see from the way they're calculated how they line up. To those categories, the rapist makes an additional payment, tsar, pain. So now we're on page 39a towards the bottom, starting with the Gemara. The opening question is quite surprising. Tsa'ar demai. Pain of what? The commentaries basically explain this question as fundamentally rejecting the idea that the pain of the first sexual act which is due to hymenal tearing, is what the rapist is supposed to pay for. The first answer is from the father of Shmuel. Amar avua de Shmuel. Tsa'ar shechavata al gabei karka. The pain that he threw her, literally beat her, on the ground. Now, This seems to be an acknowledgement that the pain at issue is pain caused by the sexual assault itself, but not the sex act. Surprisingly, though, one Amora chooses to read this statement of the father of Shmuel hyper-literally. Matkifla rebizera, elameata chavata agabe shirayin hachinami depatur. Rebizera attacks this position. And he says, hold on a sec, Elameata, the 
logical but absurd conclusion is that if he threw her on top of soft cloth, silk, let's say, then he would be patur from paying the tsar payment? In other words, Rabbi Zera is saying, no, it's not the pain that surrounds the act itself that's at stake, but it's the pain incurred, suffered, during the sexual violation. The Gemara then picks up by quoting a Baraita. A Baraita that's meant to support Rabbi Zera's attack on Avua de Shmuel. V'chi tema hachinami, were you to say, yes, in fact, were the rapist to just throw her onto something very soft, he wouldn't have to pay for tsar. V'hatanya, we have a Baraita that rejects that explicitly. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda Omer, Mishum Rebbe Shimon, Ones enu mishalem et hatsar, Mipnei shesofa lehitztair tachat ba'ala. Amrulo, eno domen nivelet ba'ones lenivelet beratzon. So this Brita actually contains what may be the most unredeemable position in the entire corpus of rabbinic literature. Rebbe Shimon says, a rapist doesn't pay tsar, he doesn't pay for the pain caused by the rape. Why? Because, in the end, the woman was going to suffer some pain from the first sexual act from her husband. The sages are practically disgusted by this, I suspect. You can't really hear tone, you can only infer it. But the sages say, There's no way to compare True, the some pain endured by the voluntaristic, desired first sexual act to the pain endured by sexual violation. Enodome, there's absolutely no way to compare them. I would like at least to imagine that the sages are disgusted at Rabbi Shimon's suggestion here. So the Gemara continues and says as follows, Ella Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Rabba Bar Avuah. Sa'ar shall pisuk haraglayim, v'chein hu omer, v'tafsiki et raglayich lechol over. So Rav Nachman, in the name of Rabbi Baravua, follows the position of the sages in the Baraita that what's at stake here is the pain caused by rape, by the actual sexual violation. And he says that the tsar is of the pulling apart of the legs, which I think is a way of saying the pain caused by the rape itself. And he gives a verse from Ezekiel to support that idea about v'tafsiki at raglayach, the spreading of the legs to everyone who comes past, which was a way in Ezekiel to accuse the Israelites of, through metaphor, whoring after idolatry. The Gemara continues, though, and says, well, actually, if the pain of the sexual act is at stake, then it shouldn't apply just to rape. If that's true, that it's pisuk raglayim, this opening of the legs, then that is experienced even by will women who willingly and desirously want to have sex. Rav Nachman, in the name of Rabbi Baravua, responds, and he says, 
Amar Rav Nachman Amar Rabba Baravua. Mashal dimfute, dimfuta. Lama hadavar domeh. La adam sha'amar lechavero. Kara shirayin shali vihipater. He admits, yes, it's true, that the initial sex act experienced by a woman, even when she's desirous of it, is going to be somewhat painful. But he makes an analogy here, and I think we shouldn't take this analogy too far. He says it's similar to somebody who says to their friend, tear my clothes and be exempt. In other words, I actually desire this to happen. You're not harming the clothing. I want it, even though it appears that it's going to cause damage. I think what Rabbi Baravua is trying to say back to the Gemara is that, no, when sex is desired, even if some pain is knowingly and consensually endured, then a person has the right to do that. The Gemara, though, can't really let go of the way it's legally framing the situation, and it takes this analogy, again, hyper-literally, and it says, Shali, remember he used the analogy, the, my clothing, that actually, in a certain understanding in the rabbinic world, the woman's virginity and the pain she experiences at its loss is not really her right to give, but her father's. That makes sense in a patriarchal world where the father is trying to get his daughter married off and the loss of virginity is actually going to cause him a financial loss by narrowing her future marital prospects. Rabbi Baravua, though, is sick of that. <laughs> and you can almost hear exasperation when he responds for a third, a second time, offering a third statement. Ela amar of Nachman amar Rabbi Baravua, pikhot shebahen omrot, this is actually a very, very striking shift. Rabbi Baravua says, actually, pikhot, full women in full control and command of their um, of their faculties, smart women maybe. Um, not clear exactly who these pikhot are, but women have said, women do say, mufuta en latzar. In other words, going back to the original challenge that a mifuta, that a woman who's seduced and has sex for the first time experiences pain, actually, women have told me that's simply not true. That actually first sex is not painful, does not result in pain, and maybe what he's saying is not does not result in legally actionable pain, or that the pain is desired and therefore isn't, quote-unquote, so bad. But what's striking is that, finally, for the first time, women's voices are being heard, at least filtered through Rabbi Baravua. Now, who's making the judgment of the pikhot, that these are the women to be listened to? Was it women themselves? Was it the rabbis who interviewed women and only decided to accept the samples of women who said there was no tsar? It's not clear. But minimally, some women's voices have now been filtered through the Talmud. The next question, actually, is striking, because the Gemara says, back to a report of women's own experiences, Actually, we see that she does experience pain. Presumably, other women have said, no, actually, first sex hurts, even if you desire it. 
Now we get three responses by sages in the name of women who they seem to consider reliable, authoritative women to be listened to, who classify that pain in various sort of folk ways. Amar Abaye, Abaye said, Amrili Aim. And Aim normally means mother, but we actually know from a certain place that Abaye's mother apparently died when he was very young, and that Aim here probably refers to his nursemaid who raised him. Amrili Aim, my nursemaid said to me, Kamaya Chamime al Reshe de Karcha. It's like hot water on a cold head, which presumably means something like, yes, it hurts a little bit at first, but you want it because ultimately you're going to feel good. Rava Amar, Amrali Bat Rav Chista. Rava says that the daughter of Rav Chista said to me, and the thing we should understand is that the daughter of Rav Chista was Rava's wife, not just some random woman. Kirivda de Chusilta. That it's like the prick of the of the blood letters, um, the blood letters sort of pin or needle. The point here seems to be, again, yes, it hurts a little, but you want it, you desire it, because you know you're going to feel better at the end of it. Rav Papa Amar, Rav Papa says, Amrili Bat Abasura'a, presumably his wife as well, the daughter of Abasura'a. Ki Nahama Akusha Bechinche. It's like sort of stale bread on the cheeks. Yeah, there's like a little pressure and it hurts a little bit uh, on the, pa- sorry, bechinchi is like on the palate. Um, but ultimately, you know, you've you've received some sustenance um, and it's not horrifically painful. It's just uncomfortable. So each of these responses are reported in the mouths of women. Now, are they saying that they think the, what the, are they saying what they think the men want to hear? Or are they authentically reporting their own experiences, and maybe the experiences of women that they've spoken to? They do seem to be arguing that the pain of consensual first sex is secondary to the pleasure experienced, and in doing so, they bring women's sexual experiences and desire into the conversation. So, at the end of this sugya, the Gemara has identified the fundamental distinction between seduction where the sex is essentially consensual, even if the relationship is societally illicit, and rape, which is not consensual in any way, shape, or form. The distinction is that non-consensual sex is uniquely painful, and an immense fine would need to be paid for it. So if we strip away the pestering, hyperliteral questions of the Stam, we actually see that the vast majority of the Amoraim, quoted, understand force and violence as the fundamental characteristic of rape. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.